Welcome to the Nerd Boys Podcast. All right, welcome to the Nerd Boys Podcast. This is your boy, Nerd Boy D. And with me right now, I got my homeboy, fellow Nerd Boy, Bruce Leroy. What's up? And very, very special guest today. I got the young man, the young feisty man, I should say, that's running for sheriff, Mr. Miles Carter. Hey, how's it going? So, yeah, we're going to get this podcast started. We're going we, we gonna to be, we're not going to be too hard on Miles today, but we just got to, uh, we just got to ask the question, exactly who is Miles Carter, and we're going to talk about it, but with that being said, cue the intro. Right, we back. Welcome to the Nerd Boys Podcast. It's your boy Nerd Boy D. Got Nerd Boy Bruce Leroy and Miles Carter, the hopeful candidate for mayor, not mayor. Erie County Sheriff. Erie County Sheriff. Sheriff. <laughs> I'm, I'm whoa, thinking ahead. I'm thinking ahead. No, I'm no. thinking ahead. He, he he does have mayoral qualities, but right. No, we have a very specific agenda and a very specific platform, and and the office of the sheriff is really what encompasses the platform that we're trying to uh, ratify uh, across our community. So. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going for the office of the sheriff, for sure. Oh, yeah, because we had uh, Howard. He's been in there for uh, too long. Too long. <laughs> too I, long. I, I think uh, right now when this year ends, Howard will be uh, in office for uh, 16 years. 16. Yeah, 16 years. And he's not seeking re-election this year. So right now it's any man's, uh, any man, any woman's race, too, because there's quite a few women that have tossed their uh, hat into the ring for, for sheriff. Um and uh, Howard, funny enough, uh, he, he's from the town of Wales, uh, which is a little town on the outskirts of Erie County, and he's, uh, he's running for town supervisor of Wales, uh, so he's going to go back into his little closet and uh, hopefully stop terrorizing the people of, of our community, um, you know, and, and hopefully he doesn't even get elected as a town supervisor of Wales, because uh, he's, he's, like, his record is atrocious, and, like, the, the man is, an, is, is, is a bona fide monster uh, based on the things that, that have gone on under uh, his, his reign as sheriff at the Erie County Holding Center, so. because um, yeah, I think we could, we could probably use each other's hands and feet with how many uh, suicides. Suicides, death. deaths, yeah, tons of things, and I don't, we, what is it, it's, uh, it, it's uh, every six months, so it's 30, so you don't even have enough fingers and toes to count. Uh, so it's it's thirty is the count right now. Wow, and one the most uh, prominent, notorious being uh, in of course India Cummings, right? Which brings me to my um, I got some bullet points. I, I was looking on your uh, Facebook page. Uh, Facebook page is Miles Carter for Erie County Sheriff, right? Uh, yeah, it's just more well, Miles Carter is is my Facebook page, um, and and that's the same thing as my my public page as well, just Miles <laughs> Carter. Um, and then my, my website is uh, miles uh, milescarter.com um, and then uh, my I have Instagram which is miles the number four sheriff so miles four sheriff and then uh, my Twitter is just real miles m y l e z uh, so you know those are kind of all my 
yeah, yeah, <laughs> my yeah, social yeah. media tags, but most of my information is housed right on my website right now, and because that's the most important thing, uh, because that's where my platform is um, as far as the things that we want to accomplish as a community. Um, and when I say we, it's 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 really because uh, you know I've been working throughout the community uh, over the course of the past year really intensely, but I've been working throughout the community community for uh, quite a few years now. Um, but we understand, you know, the, the, the changes that need to take place uh, at, at the, the county jails um, and, and within the sheriff's department um, to, to make our community safer and, and, and more productive, more representative of, of who we are, I think. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Before you get to the bullet points, I think we need to ask the question of, like, who is Miles Carter? Oh, yeah. What are you about? Where you come from? Anything to you know, just uh, summarize, like, who you are? How, how, how would you like explain yourself i mean it's uh, like I, I really like i don't like talking about myself too much uh because it's like i don't know I, like it just it's one of those things that's just really awkward you know I, i'd really rather like i like to stick to the points and and, and the things that we got to discuss but you know obviously when you're seeking like you know uh public office and stuff like that like people want to know who you are where you're from who sent you if, if that's the case yeah, um, yeah. Because <laughs> we, we all know that that was uh, a topic what? of discussion like towards the end of the summer. Said, Who sent you? <laughs> yeah, because uh, we we know somebody that I guess I don't want to say they right, but there's a few people like there there's a destroy miles campaign going on right now, and the thing is is that there's there's a there's a uh, destroy miles seriously <laughs> yeah. there, there's there's what you would consider to be a bourgeoisie black like uh, political elite throughout uh, you know throughout Buffalo, and that that's the thing is like Buffalo is one of those impoverished cities. Um, we're, we're, we're kept poor on purpose, right? You, oh, yeah. you have our political elite, you know, that, that have black and brown faces that are doing the same things that, that, that politicians were doing to us back in the day. Um, but they're just using brown faces to do it now. And now you have people that are in the community doing their bidding as well. So, like, you know, when you say, like, who is Miles Carter? Like, I understand that question because I've been accused of trying to split the black vote. Uh, apparently, I, I think that's the, the, the newest accusation. Um, yeah. Uh, like, and and I've been sent from some distant planet to come and abduct <laughs> people and brainwash them into believing that justice is deserved here in Erie County. <laughs> I guess that that's really the question. But uh, like, I'm from I'm from Erie County. Um, you know, uh, I've spent time in Buffalo, Amherst, Tonawanda. Um, you know, I lived in Florida for a little while when I was younger. Um, you know, when I was twelve, essentially, like. I guess this is kind of what what jumpstarts who Miles is. Is like you know my I I grew up in 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 Tonawanda to start like that's where I went to kindergarten first and second grade. Okay. Um, that's where my parents uh, lived. You know my my dad's black, my mom's white. That's you know uh, and that was kind of uncommon back yeah. in the in the early and, and well in the late eighties early nineties it wasn't so common. So yeah, uh, and right. then you know even then living <clears throat> in the suburbs it was just like you know I was as light as I am I was the blackest thing that was on my block. So like that was always a little. <laughs> That was a little, always a little awkward, but um, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that that's kind of where I started my life. My my dad was in and out of jail when I was a kid, um, but he was always like a provider. You know what I mean? He always had a job, um, and and you know he hustled too to to make ends meet. Um, you know, before then, you know he he was involved in the movement. My dad's old, um, so he was born in in 1945. Okay. Um, you know, my mom was born in 1967, so they got a 22-year gap between them. Um, so my dad had a whole life before he even started having us. So there's one thing, uh, <laughs> but we're, our moms are the same age, and right. You know, so. Yeah. So my, my he had a whole life before he even started having you know us. Uh, like, cause I got six brothers and sisters. Um, you know, before any of us were born, he had a whole life, and like you know, at that time, you know. Back in the day, he, he, he was in the Nation of Islam, uh, he was in the Black Panthers, um, he, was, he was involved in the movement heavy in like Detroit and uh, in Flint, Michigan. 
um, you know, uh, he, he, he did get detracted from the movement. He, he turned into like, you know, selling heroin and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that was in Flint, Michigan and, and he was a pretty big deal there and, and the feds had it out for him. Um, he ended up getting locked up. Um, he did uh, 10 years in the federal penitentiary when he got out. Um, you know, he didn't have any houses, cars or businesses anymore. So he came to Buffalo and started his life over again. Yeah, yeah. Was rolling uh, yeah I mean, that, that's how it went. Uh, so uh, he met my mom. My mom was like 18 when they met. Um, this is, you know, the, the late 80s. And, yeah. and uh, I guess they fell in love for what, you know, uh, what have you. Uh, it had to be something because they ended up having six kids together, and then my mom had, <laughs> my mom had another kid from outside. You know, after uh, after because my dad ended up, um, you know, when we were young, uh, you know, he was in and out of jail still because he was still, you know, doing his thing and and, and providing for us. Um, and he ended up uh, having a stroke when he was at work one day. Um, oh, he had wow. a brain aneurysm. He had a stroke. I was like eight years old. Um, he ended up uh, going in for. He was rushed in for emergency surgery. Um, you know, they did surgery. Um, he had a stroke when he was in surgery and when he came to, he was paralyzed on his right side. Um, so from that point forward, my dad, when he was paralyzed, you know, for the rest of his life, um, you know, and he, you know, he, he came like it, it, it got to him, you know what I mean? Like, you know, he, he it, it broke him because he, he was no longer functioning. He's no longer able to provide, you know, like any man like that is a blow to the ego for sure. <clears throat> so like, you know. Um, there was issues like domestic violence and stuff that even happened after that, you know, and he was like, you know, um, he was in a wheelchair and like, you know, we still had issues where there was domestic violence. Um, yeah, that probably had to fuck with his psyche. Right. Yeah. 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 Especially was. like you rolling with the Panthers, you know, you doing all this. Right. And then my dad was a person. Like my dad yeah. would be involved with political campaigns. Like, you know, he was very active and, and, you know, is like, you know, the, I don't even know how to explain it, but I know that <clears throat> like me, you cannot find me at home during the day. You know what I mean? Like right. at eight o'clock in the morning, I get up and I go, and then at, like I'm not even home until like ten, eleven o'clock at night sometimes. <laughs> and it's like, bro, I, I will have a full productive day, and we just running and doing all types of stuff. Yeah, <clears throat> and it's always beneficial, right? And, um, and a fun fact, as we're recording this podcast, Miles has his kid. He has his five children with him, so <laughs> this is like he don't stop. This man is a dad, right. <laughs> activist, <laughs> Erie County Sheriff, hopeful. So that that goes to show like part of who who this man is, you know, he's definitely a father. I've seen him a few times where he he done had all his kids and he has all his kids right now. And that's part of like anybody that works with me, that's just an understanding. Like I've I've been in school board meetings. I brought all my kids to my school board meetings. And you, you guys got to sit right here, be quiet, hear some pen and paper, have some fun. Like you know what I mean? That's just what it is. But I think like you know, young black kids, they need to be exposed to that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, they need to be exposed to education and social justice. The, the, the princess is making her debut on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> one right now. <clears throat> yeah. But, uh, so, like, uh, that's important though. You know, we ended up uh, to carry on. You know, we ended up. My dad ended up going to a nursing home at some point because it just wasn't. You know, it wasn't the right situation. Um, and then when that happened, we ended up moving to Florida for a while. And then we were down there, um, you know, things were cool, great, Florida's beautiful, you know what I mean, flamingos, all types of stuff, and then my grandmother died, so we moved back to Buffalo, and uh, when my grandmother died, that kind of changed everything for us, because, I don't know, it's like my mom went through a really tough period, because, like, you know, it was her mom, and that's like, you know, that's her backbone, her rock, and, like, my, my dad was already, you know, not in the picture, and, like, she needed, you know, some type of, like, emotional stability. Um, so we came back here. My uncle uh, is in a wheelchair since all I can remember. He's in a wheelchair. Um, no specific diagnosis. He's just wheelchair bound. Uh, we came back here because my mom was going to try and take care of him. 
Um, but when we came back, it was hard. Like, you know what I mean? Like we had out of state ID. We didn't qualify for any type of assistance. Um, no food stamps, no emergency housing. Um, the only thing we were able to get was like emergency shelter, um, which they gave us a stipend, um, which was a day to day stipend. We had to go get it renewed every single day to, uh, to stay at, uh, the travel lodge, which was like a crack hotel at the corner of like best in Maine. They don't, it's not even there anymore. They tore it down. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you remember it, but I it was that, it was that orange joint that was just sitting yeah, at the yeah, corner. Yeah. It was just nasty. You know what I mean? And that's where oh, we yeah. were staying. And it's like, we had two rooms and it was, you know, seven kids and my mom. And, um, you know, at, at some point we, we ran out of food. Um, you know, my mom, you know, went to, went to the store to go steal groceries and, um, she did and she got caught. And, uh, that same night they came, uh, they, they being the, the caseworkers, they came and, uh, they took us all into foster care that night. Yeah. And, um, and you I know, was reading this, uh, you were 12 years old when I was 12. So there were seven of us and they put us in three different homes. And so, uh, yeah. so now out of all your siblings, are you the oldest? No, I have an older brother. Um, he passed away when I was, uh, 17 from a drug overdose. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's wow you you've been through some shit <laughs> i mean it's life though you know yeah. what i mean and it's like you know and that's like you know you find me like quoting tupac and stuff all day long you know it's like rose that grew from the concrete yeah it's gonna break a lot of us but and then this is what i explain to people all the time is because they look at me and like you know how can you make it out but then everybody else fails and it's like it's not that i'm special it's just that i well, i guess that's what it is i'm special i was chosen i don't even know what to, what to say but like it like the situation yeah. that, that that we go through the struggle that we go through is is built to break so many of us and you need a special type of resiliency to even make it through and then to thrive on top of that is like yeah. you know you really got to be doing something so it's like and you really got to be blessed in some way um but yeah exactly I, yeah. I was looking at our stats earlier bro like uh the biden just uh, produced his stats on 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 what they're going to do for uh for social equity social equity for uh for for black and brown people and the stats are like they're alarming it's like the 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 the, the uh the average uh or the median right median is the best number to use when you're when you're trying to figure out what is really in the middle right like where you're mm -hmm. at uh, when you're doing statistics average is always skewed median is what you want to use right so they they produce the stats showing that what the median household uh uh, uh wealth is mm -hmm. for for white black and, and hispanic families and it's 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 alarming it's like one hundred eighty thousand dollars um for uh for white families it's like twenty eight thousand dollars for black families it's like thirty six thousand that's, that's the median and it's thirty six thousand wow. dollars for, for puerto rican families or, or hispanic families or, or i don't even know what term to use because you know there, there's so many different ones but like yeah but like the, those that, that that's what we're up against when it comes to like poverty and stuff like that and then like you know so my family is directly affected by this and this is like you know we all went into foster care you know and uh you know my white family they're not taking in a bunch of black kids and then my, my black family like nobody's in a position to take in you know seven you know kids that like on on a dime like that and it's like so we we went into foster care and um you know it was it wasn't a great situation um you know it's like uh i don't know it's, but so, I'm, you got questions yeah so like with your mom so you said that she like so what was was she convicted or like how did that in ultimately i think the charges were dropped like ultimately the charges were dropped and then the thing is is that like once you're in the system now you got to start you know go, jumping through the hoops to 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 get your kids back right and yeah, yeah. and my mom my mom used drugs um at the time um but after we were in foster care like you know what i mean like now there's that sense of a failure and and demoralization and the drug usage really picked up and like you know it's she wasn't able to 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 get herself back together to the point where she was able to come back and 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 be a stable 
feature for us. And again, I like to point numbers out to people because this, this is important. Like when we went into foster care, um, you're talking about a system where you're, you're paying someone else to take care of you, right? So like I, I, we were in a position where we didn't qualify for assistance and my mom had to go steal groceries to take care of us right. immediately in drop of a dime. When she went to jail, they started paying families uh, $800 a month to take care of seven different children. You know what I mean? So you're talking about $5,600 a month that could have been used to take care of a family and keep them together and put them in a better position, but instead they wait until that family messes up and then so, they use it to pay somebody else to take care so of them. So that's $800 per child. $800 per child, bro. And it's, that, that's on the low end in some cases, right? Like if, if you have special diagnoses, like so I ran away um, mm -hmm. because my, my first foster home that I was put into was an abusive foster home. Um, and I was at the age of 12, um, you know, uh, she was, they weren't abusing me, um, but it was like the situation was like literally like Cinderella, but and she was abusing my little sister. And it's like, you know, we weren't allowed to sit on the furniture. You know what I mean? Like we, we had to clean her house literally from the time we woke up to the time we went to sleep. We cooked for her. She, one of the kids used to have to rub her feet with Vaseline at night before she went to sleep. Like that's the type of situation we were in. And like, she didn't own a car. That's not foster care. Bro, I'm not even done. I'm not even done. Like we didn't, she didn't own a car. Right. Um, my neighbor, my next door neighbor, we went to the same school together. We were in the same class. Like he asked me if I could come over and help him with his math homework. The answer was no. You know what I mean? Like we weren't allowed to go outside. We weren't allowed to play. Um, you know, when we went to when we when we went places, she didn't have a car, um, so we had to take public transportation. And we lived over on Fernhill, right? And and like sometimes we'd have to walk over to uh, to Delavan and Grider, yeah. where the uh, where the the bus stop is. And my my sister is like the same age as my two year old daughter. She used to make her walk the whole way, and my sister would have like blisters and stuff on her feet. Um, and like she wouldn't let me carry her um, like all types of because like we weren't going to be together all the time. So if I carry her now, then she's going to get used to being carried and I'm not going to be able to carry her when you're not around me, you know, like stuff like that. And then like she was trying to potty train her and like, you know, I'm a parent, so I get it. Like sometimes you got to like smack a kid on the butt, you know, every once in a while. Yeah. But like if my, my sister would like use a bathroom on herself, she would take her into the room and just like like smack her on the ass repeatedly like. All types of stuff, and I'm like, and I'm, I'm voicing my, my, I'm voicing out, I'm, I'm speaking up, I'm telling the caseworkers what's going on, bro. Like nobody's listening to me, nobody, just nobody. And this, this was Saint Augustine, and this is important because there was a whole bunch of black organizations that were opened uh, in the late '90s and early 2000s once these politicians started getting elected into office, right? And they were the 501c3s. They, they provided prison services. They provided um, services for, uh, for at-risk black youth. They provided foster care services, and every single one of them got shut down bro and the reason is for financial mismanagement so st augustine which is the foster care agency that i was at was black run my caseworkers were black the people that were running it were black and crystal people stokes was the director of the program wow. and it was eventually shut down for financial mismanagement and i was complaining at that program that my family was being abused and nothing was being done um so i i eventually ran away <clears throat> like before i even turned 13 i ran away and like I'm living on the streets at this point and uh, like I'm over on the west side, like, you know, jumping from family member to family member, trying to find friends, like looking for my mom and stuff like that. Like, you know, just and I did this shit for three months, uh, you know, while I'm in the eighth grade and like, bro, like I just felt my life was slipping away. So like I, I ultimately made the decision to turn myself in. And I did that, and then um, when I did that, then uh, like they sent police officers to come pick me up. Like there was no caseworkers there. Like I'm 12 years old. <laughs> so like, I'm 12 years old. I called the police on myself. Like yeah, I'm I'm a runaway. I I don't know what to do. I want to turn myself in. I want to go back so I can go back to school and stuff like that. And that's exactly what I said on the phone. And they say sent police officers to come pick me up. They arrested me. Um, they put my hands behind my back. Uh, they put me in the back of a squad car. They took me down to Central Booking. 
Um, they processed me. They fingerprinted me. Um, I didn't even go before a judge. They sent me to another non-secure. Uh, they sent me to another black-run organization at that time, which was a non-secure detentional facility. Um, and it was called Refuge Temple Citadel of Hope. So if you're if you're familiar with Buffalo at all, which you know I am, because I keep spitting these facts out, right? Refuge Temple is right on Jefferson, Jefferson. right? Yeah, and, Jefferson, and uh, best. Right across the street, they have a, a row of houses that's across from Big Basha's, right? Yeah. Uh, and that row of houses used to be a non-secure detention facility. That's where they sent me. Wow. Right. That was called Refuge Temple Citadel of Hope, and I was there when I was young, and I'm 12 years old. They sent me there, right? And um, like I just got finished being processed and arrested. I'm 12 years old. They sent me here. They take me upstairs. Um, I'm made to shower in front of some grown man that's sitting here watching me shower to make sure I don't got nothing on me. Um, like sitting here uh, moving my nuts around and stuff like that to make sure everything's good. Like I'm just feeling uncomfortable and violated, you know. And then that's when I started, you know, that's not that's when I started at this non-secure detentional facility. And like, um, bro, it was again, it's just a disaster. There was no activity. There was no learning. And I'm here for another month, month and a half. And it's like their idea of school was uh, we, we would travel uh, down to this other house that they owned, which was on Jefferson somewhere. It would be, we would go to the, uh, to the apartment and we'd sit in the living room and we'd watch movies and, and we, would, we would have to write a two or like a four paragraph summary of the movie. Right. So like we watched like things like League of Extraordinary Men was one of the movies that we watched and I had to write a four paragraph summary of the movie. And that was it for school. We didn't do no social studies. We didn't do no science. We didn't do no math. We didn't do no reading. Didn't do no nothing. And that was it for like an entire month. And like these kids are here for like six, seven, eight months. Like they're failing. They're falling behind. These kids are getting lost, bro. And then uh, I was uh, I went before a judge. Um, because I had never seen a judge at this point, still hadn't seen a judge. I went before a judge, and the judge told them that they had to uh, remove me from that place because they had no reason to keep me there. Right. And then I was remanded to the Compass House, right? Which is, you know, if you're familiar with the city of Buffalo, mm -hmm. which I am, you know, at the age of 12 years old, I was remanded to the Compass right House. On, uh, Linwood, right? right, right on Linwood. And I was, I'm still, if you, if they pull the records over at the Compass House at the Resource Center, they'll find that I'm the longest case that they've ever had there because I was at the Compass House for three and a half months. And uh, you're only allowed to be there for two weeks. Um, and, and, and this is the reason why I was at the Compass House, because I had spent time through all these failing black organizations that they had put up in the city of Buffalo. So, and I was speaking out and, and I was voicing my concerns and issues that were going on. So instead of like physically silencing me, they were searching for a better home to send me to that was outside of the city with, a, with in, in a suburban setting where I would have all the resources I need to shut me the hell up and, and keep me busy. Right. And, and that's what happened. And they sent me out to Amherst. And that's when I started my education on Amherst. I went to Amherst High School, excelled, graduated top third of my class, honors in AP classes, earned the presidential scholarship in Madai College, took my ass to Madai College, earned my business degree, got dean's list all the way through, uh, graduated like a 3.7, um, you know, and uh, I was working at a company called Solidify, which is like a tech company down in, uh, it's in downtown Buffalo, but it's, it's, a, it's uh, the parent company is Real Matters. And uh, I was hired here when I was 22 <clears throat> um, as an account manager. And I said, I built their, I built their U.S. operations, essentially. I'm not going to say single-handedly because I had help. But, um, you know, we went from being an office where I started to uh, about 180 employees. And uh, today, that company, when I started there, it was $20 million is what it was worth. We did, like, three major acquisitions within the first two years that I, that I played a role in. And then uh, now today, that company is publicly traded on the Toronto Stock Exchange for $1.4 billion. Like, wow. And if I wanted to call the CEO, he'd answer my phone call. So it's like, you know, like, wow. that, that's the type of impact that I had there. But like, you know, I'm doing all this. My mom's still on drugs. My brother's in jail. My sister's running through all types of problems. My family's falling, falling apart. My community, I feel, is like complete fucking trash because the people that are running it aren't doing anything worth yeah. a damn here. You know what I mean? And it's like, whoa, what am I doing? And it's like, uh, I made the decision to quit my job. 
Like, I didn't get fired. I made a decision to quit my job and I walked away. They gave me a $24,000 effort check. And, 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 and I can still call any, but anybody there. And if I want a job today, I can walk in and get it. And that, that, that's the type of relationship I have with those people. And that's the type of work that I did with those people. So they know who I am. Um, you know, I, I started my home inspection business, um, you know, back in 2016, um, you know, in, in, in 2018, when my daughter was born, I went on FMLA. Um, and I use that as a platform to really just separate myself from work and, and focus on building my business and being with my family. And within those right. two years of being out of work, uh, you know, my mom got clean. Um, you know, uh, she she went to her inpatient program out at uh, uh, White Deer Run or whatever it's called out in Pennsylvania. Um, she did her outpatient program. She's got her own apartment um, for the first time in 17 years. Um, you know, my brother just came home from jail. Um, you know, I was able to make sure that when he came home that I was there for him and like, you know, if he needs anything, I can still pick up the phone and get him when, when, when he needs. And, and trust me, I'm still hard as hell on him too, because, you know, even though he just got out of jail, he's still not making all the right decisions. And it's like, yeah. you know, you gotta, we, you know, because yeah, they, they, they don't do any, like he was in jail for 10 years, accumulative. Like he went to jail when he was 17. He is 28 now. Well, he doesn't know what life is like. Yeah, he, like yeah. you're, 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 he's still 17. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like nothing changed for him. <laughs> like right. you, you literally froze his life in a cell for, for, for 10 years. You didn't educate him. You didn't, you didn't show him anything different. You didn't do anything besides put him in a, in a jail and then that that's that's what i'm saying like this is why like somebody like me and not like a police officer needs to be sheriff and then and because like i'm intimately involved with the issues that exist in our community regardless of what anyone feels or says about them like when it comes to like drug addiction bro i've got drug addicts in my family i've had my car stolen by my mom you know what i mean i've i've had like all types of my money my my ex-wife's jewelry all types of shit come up missing and you know what I mean? Like, and, and at the end of the day, like, I, I know enough about it to recognize that it's the drug and not the person. Yeah. Right. And th that's the type of, that's the type of stance we need to take in law enforcement when it comes to people that are even on drugs, because, you know, at the end, like there, it's not, it's not a victimless crime because drug addicts do hurt people, but mm -hmm. they need help. Yeah. Right. And, and part of, and part of their, their, their quote unquote punishment or, or part of, 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 of their, uh, of their, of, of our reform needs to be making sure that, that we're providing the services for these people to rehabilitate themselves so that they're not in a position where they harm the harm themselves and harm other people. Right. Like, and that's common sense. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's not what we're doing. And one thing I, I want to touch on, cause I feel like this is very important and you know, I uh, saw this on your, uh, on your page. Right. Cause uh, you know you drug addiction services and mental health working groups. Cause I feel like with drug addiction, you're developing some type of mental health issue. Yeah, or you already have right. it. Or right. you already have it, and it's right. amplifying it. Right. And you know you look at India Cummings, who's having like some type of. Correct me if I'm wrong. Who's having some she, type of mental she's going health episode. issue? Yeah. yeah, she's going through an episode. And like I, I worked in a group home for three years. So three you already years. know. So yeah, I work yeah, I work with people with developmental disabilities. So right. it's at any like, point did you put them in a cage? No. Never. <laughs> did you if beat any, them? If anything did you starve them? Never. No. And if, if it, anything <laughs> if anything, you can like they teach you how to do, you know, like the supine and stuff to to avoid yourself getting hurt and to avoid them hurting themselves. Yeah. But at the end of the day, sometimes you could just like I guess I got defensive to get the, correctional movements. It's yeah. like that, that's that's what it's supposed to be. Like you're not supposed to be beating them with batons, throwing them in cages. You know, like, uh, um, uh, demeaning or diminishing or demoralizing. I'm having a brain fight right now, but uh, the brother that got shot on Geneseo over the summer. Willie Henley. Willie Henley. Yeah. And it's like I'm looking at that situation like 
could have taught that bat. What was it? He had a bat, baseball bat. You shoot a man with a baseball bat. It's like ten of y'all surrounding this man. Not one of y'all thought to just. Not only could I have talked that baseball hat bat out of his hands, but if I could have talked it out, of, I could have wrestled it out of his hands. Exactly. I didn't have to shoot that man, and I'm, not, and I'm not even a police officer yet. Like, and I could, I've, I've de-escalated situations just like that, just like that, because Willie Henley and and and, and other people that suffer from mental illness exist all over the city of Buffalo, yeah. and you run into them when you live in the city all the time. Right, and and like I. Uh... Probably the first time I mentioned this on my podcast, but I have, uh, I've been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, mm-hmm. PTSD, and, you know, and I can function, <laughs> but I can function, but it's people like, you were in the that, military, and, and, and I were you? yeah, I'm still in the, I'm still in the reserves, and uh, I want to trace it back to the military, I would trace most of it back to working in the group home, oh, group home, okay, you know, watching my mom go through what she went through, which, you know, I can understand because I, I know you want to get Carrier's Law implemented through the Sheriff's Department also. And it's full form. I, I appreciate that too yeah. because that that's a big deal because, you know, like I said, uh, I guess could be an empath about this, but I get why some officers don't step up. I don't agree with it, but I get it because when you lost everything that my mom lost right. and, you know, houses, marriage fell apart. You know, just depression. And the crazy thing about it, and, and I'm glad you said that because somebody said, and this was like a few months ago, we had a, it was another rally we were at, and somebody said the, the system, the system's working just fine. We say it's a broken system, but the system is working just fine. It's doing what it was built to do. <laughs> Yeah, ask the Native Americans. Ask the Native Americans. They'll tell you the system system did exactly what it was supposed to do. It ripped ripped those young Native kids out of their homes. It put them in ridiculous group homes and group settings where they were Christianized and where they were colonized. And it sent them back home to where they weren't even part of their families anymore. And then they they were pushed away from their family members and their tribes. Like they destroyed so many people, and like that—that that was by design. They do the same thing to us, bro. That's the same reason they take so many black and brown kids into foster homes today. Is is because they want to take us out of that that state and and run us through the system. Yeah. Right. And then I'm thinking, like what you said too. So um, that that group home, not the group home, the uh, foster home you were in, where she's, you know, how much, give or take, how many kids were in that group home? It was me and my sister, and then she had two other boys that she was uh, fostering, and then she had another girl that she had adopted. So it was five of us in total. So if she's getting eight hundred per child. That's four thousand dollars a month mm-hmm. that she's getting, which means. And she was a lunch lady at Bennett too. So, so like, you got a so job too, and, and her and her dead husband was a police officer. So she was so she get his pension. pension. Yeah. So all that you couldn't get a car, <laughs> and then your sister is a baby. So it was like. Yeah. You couldn't get her a stroller to push her around in. She didn't want to. She didn't want to. That's the thing. Is like, I don't know what it is about people, but like people just don't like they. A stroller would have been something else for her to carry. A stroller been something else for her to maneuver around. Like mm. yeah, whatever it is with people, I don't even get it, bro. But she was an abusive person. She was a horrible person. I spoke out. Nobody changed the situation, and we just kept kept it moving. And these are our own people. These are our own people. And that's what pisses me off. Like. They took you from that situation, I feel like, and just made it worse. Instead of helping your family, it just made the whole situation worse and put you through the system. Right. But it happens to so many people yeah. on a regular basis, and it's like, there, there has to be more of an effort, right? And, and and there is more of an effort now. Like, this is, like, we're talking about, like, 20 years ago now, right? So, like, yeah. you know, things are developing continuously. Like, you know, and that's the thing about America is, like, we're okay with the baby steps that we make, right? You know, mm-hmm. boom, 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 boom. Now there's, like, you know, you want to place, uh, there. it's called family first, 
Like, you know, you do family before you do foster care. So if you get taken into foster care, your family, whether or not they qualify or not, would get first dibs on whether on, on, on keeping your children instead of sending them to a stranger's home. You know what I mean? And I did this for my family member before, too, because I had a family member of mine that was going through it. And and uh, and she had asked uh, uh, she had asked if I would if I would take her son in. And, and you know, the uh, Erie County was cool with that. I took him in and he was with me for almost six months. And it's like, you know, but that's family. You know what I mean? And it's still cases where you uh it's still cases where they don't necessarily remove the child either, even if there is like confirmed drug use. Right. I actually went through that with one of my kids, mm. you know. That's something we could talk about offline, but um, you know, it was just one of those situations where it's just like, you know, I feel like they pick and choose also. Oh yeah. It's like with your situation, like you're living in a hotel, like you said, they give y'all stipends every day when, you know, it would have been cheaper just to give y'all the help that y'all needed and you know, give y'all the public assistance, but because y'all had out-of-state ID, which could easily get... It's just like, I, I feel like everything is a lot easier to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're dealing with, you know? And it's like, it's, and that's why, that's why, like, people look at you when you say it's designed that way, but when you start breaking it down, they're like, damn, it does kind of say like it was, it seemed like it was designed that way. And it's like, in, in reality, it is. You look at, you look at how our prison system is set up. You know what I mean? Like our county jail. And I like to break this down for people because it's important to understand. Like the people that are in county jail and the holding center, uh, majority of them, and I, excuse I use that term loosely, a lot of them are awaiting trial, right? So innocent until proven guilty, right? Uh, a lot of them are on probation or parole violation, right? And so you're talking about 30, 60, maybe 90 days. Right. And then you're talking uh, uh, sentencing. So a year or less is what you get in county. Right. So so that, that's what we're dealing with in our county jail system. Why do we have a max? Why are both of the maximum security? Right. Where where are services uh, that are providing for a, a to, to, to make a difference in their life while they're in there? Right. Because right. we're spending ninety eight million dollars a year on our county jail system. There's only five hundred to six hundred people on average per day in there. So when you break it down, that's almost one hundred and sixty to two hundred thousand dollars per inmate per year that we're spending to incarcerate, right? That's the equivalent of a four-year Ivy League degree. So what services are we providing while they're in jail to make sure that they're not in the same position to commit that crime or to be in a position of poverty when they get out of jail? Because poverty is what breeds crime, isn't it? Right. That I mean, that those are that that's yeah. the science that y'all telling me. What you what you said? So it's your like, mom, your mom, right. she she did what she had to do because she wanted to. Right. So, 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 so we need mental health. Right. We need drug treatment services. We need social services. We need uh, uh, pre-release services. Right. We need job placement services. We need job training services. You know what I mean? We need protections for 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 groups that are affected like the LGBT group. Right. Oh, yeah. um, because they they are heavily impacted in jails and prisons and, and affected specifically your trans group. So, yeah, we, we do have to advocate for them regardless of what your beliefs are. Right. Right. We, we do have to advocate for them because we have to do the right thing for people, right? And then that's, that's what people don't get about it. It's like, you know, they want to say, who is Miles? Miles is not the one that's going to throw his personal beliefs and personal this, that, and the third all up into the mix. And Miles is going to be unbiased and just when it comes to dealing with people in the county jail system and as, as sheriff of Erie County. And I think that that's the most important thing. And and, and, and the thing is, is like, you know, if, if I am elected as, as sheriff, I will be the first black sheriff of Erie County, but that's not even part of our campaign because I want to be the first sheriff in Erie County that actually does the right thing. Right. Like that, that, that's, that's really what, important. that, that's what's important to me. That gives Everything me else is symbolic. Well, right. Like, we already had our first black president. Did your situation change? Nope. <laughs> uh, county sheriff is the only law enforcement position which is, goes through elections, correct? 
Uh, yeah, in, well, in Erie County. There's also a district attorney, and then your judges would be considered law enforcement, too, but it's the only, like, you know, police position that goes through. Yeah, yeah. and then we have a police commissioner, which is, uh, those those are appointed. So your, your, your city police commissioner, uh, Byron Lockwood, is appointed by Byron Brown. Okay. Do you need any type of education or anything for it, requirements? Uh, in order to be sheriff, you have to be 18 years old and a resident of the county. Okay. That's it? That's it. That is it. That's it. <laughs> okay. But I think that it, it's it's supposed to be that way, right? Because I don't think that when this position was founded and created, it was an ideal that uh, we need someone to build a system that's 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 bent on incarceration and, and, and demeaning, diminishing black and brown lives, right? Yeah. I, I think that originally, right, because slavery was still around when the sheriff position was, was created, so they could they could do that separately. Right? They they did the whole slavement separately, right? And yeah. and, and, and the sheriff was really about enforcing evictions. And uh, and 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 arresting people that that committed uh, harsh and, and and punishable crimes, yeah. right? Like that. That's really what it's about. Now, now it's morphed into this like jail management, um, incarceration, ninety-eight million dollar budget, two hundred thousand dollars a year spent on on incarceration, no actual services being provided to those individuals that are being incarcerated. That's what it's morphed into, and that that is due to a lot of policies and stuff that have come from the Democrats, right? Joe Biden, tough on crime, right? Their, their, their 1990 crime bill with uh, Joe Biden and, and Hillary Clinton that even Bernie Sanders signed because everybody's like, said, oh, Bernie signed it too. Yeah, he did, right? But that 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 bill is responsible for the, the criminal justice system that we have today, specifically the one that we have in Erie County that's incarcerating our black and brown kids here right now. Right. And like that that's what we have to change. And like, it's it's, it's, it's not about me or, or, or any part of me. And it, it really is about my kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because when I, when I envision like, a jail system here i envision one that's not targeting one one that's not profiting right right and 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 in in order for my kids to to for me to feel safe and for me to feel happy about the community i live in like that's that's kind of what i need is is is, is, is a prison system that's not built on uh, enslavement and and profit and incarceration and, and and really built on you know what if you do commit a crime and end up here mm -hmm. if you do end up here we're gonna try our best to fix you so that by the time you return back to the community, you're not in that same position. Of course, cause- That's uh, what we need. Yeah, cause like you said with your brother, he, he collectively did 10 years and you know, he didn't learn shit in the 10 years. And Nothing. it's just like, and, and he's not the only one. Cause I, I've got family members also that's you know been in the system for years. Right. And it's just like, you know, we, we kind of just- But your position. family members are probably a lot like mine in the, in the, in the stance that like they went to county and then they came home. Yeah. So that means that we can we can make a real big difference real quick before they start going to state, before right. they start going to feds, before they start going everywhere else. Because if, if, if your family members, like my little brother, he went to county like two or three times mm -hmm. before he did any real offenses and went upstate. Yeah. You know what I mean? My mom went to county and did and did eight months at county. Right. You know, I could I could have provided drug treatment services for her when she went to county and, and made sure that when she came out, she wasn't a drug addict still. Right. You know what I mean? Like, the, but that's not there. And it's like, and and that's a quick win because that that's that's like, oh shit! You made a small mistake and ended up here. Yeah. Let's make sure you're not in that position to make a bigger mistake when you get out. Right. Right. And then like that's a that's a real win for us. Right. Cause like, I don't know. It's just, it's just crazy. Just like, I've learned so much. And we've been here what almost forty minutes, and I feel like I've learned more in forty minutes about you know what's going on in these jails than I have in the thirty three years I've been on this earth. <laughs> <laughs> and it's crazy and it's just like you know who is Miles Carter and it's just like some of the stuff you've been through cause you know you think a kid from Amherst you think like he grew up privileged and 
you're the exact opposite. I mean, I kind of, I kind of did, and this is the thing, like, you but know, it wasn't like that at first. It, it, it wasn't like that in the sense that, like, it wasn't my own situation. Like, I'm not gonna lie, like when I was going to Amherst, like um, my one foster family that I was living with, she ended up moving, and she went to Albany, and then I ended up moving in. Uh, uh, with a white family for like three years, and uh, and they lived in a big ass house out in Williamsville. Yeah, and I was chilling. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I was yeah. chilling. I was working. I was doing my thing, and I was making my money, and I was getting ready to go to college. Right. You know, and 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 I was still, and I was, and I was really trying my hardest to stay in touch with my brothers and sisters, and 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 we really did that because. Uh, when you look at how many uh, people get lost in a system, there's so many, so many. Like, mm-hmm. and you're talking about even like these these kids that they throw in cages that are crossing the borders. They don't even know where like it's some obscene number. I don't even want to quote it, but they don't even know where this obscene number of kids is. Like, I had to work my ass off for six years while I was in the system to make sure I maintain relationship with my brothers and sisters. Like, right. that was part of their their adoption agreement because I made it part of their adoption agreement at the age of 14. You know what I mean? I advocated for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's the shit I had to do when I was a kid just to make sure that my family was intact. So, and how old is your oldest child? My oldest child is eleven. I mean, she's gonna be twelve. So, like, I started having kids when I was nineteen. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it's funny because it's just like you, your daughter is almost the same age that you were when you went into the system, mm-hmm. and you said you, you fourteen making agreements that I want to keep in touch with my siblings. This is part of this. Adopt agreement. Put this in place. Make sure my siblings stay in touch with me. I know what's going on with them. So you 14 making grown man decisions. Right. Yeah. Practically 12 years old making grown man decisions because you had to kind of become the man of the family. And like, what's your dad? Is your dad still living? No, he died in uh, 2011. My son was born, yeah. Yeah, so it was just like, you've been making grown man decisions your whole life pretty much. And it's just like, wow, like... But so many of us have to, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not the only one, and then I know because I meet so many people just like me every day. Like, I was just on a podcast with uh, with uh, my man's the other day, and he was like, bro, like, the reason why I connected with you, and he's mixed just like me. He's like, the reason why I connected with you is because, like, literally, your story, when you tell it, is just like mine. Like, yes, the reason I connect with J. Cole is because when J. Cole started rapping, that he is rapping about my life. Yeah, <laughs> like, like he is rapping about my life. I'm like, how did you notice? And then like, <laughs> like yeah. and then the same, and then like, like I feel more connected with you now talking also because you know you, we kind of went through similar situations. We kind of know what it's like on both sides of the fence because like my mom, she was 25 when she owned the first house. Yeah, just me and my brothers before like my two sisters and my other brother were born. But you know we had it all. Even when my sisters were born, you know my mom she was working as a cop, making good money, young. You know, she became a cop at 20. Mm-hmm. So she provided that life. And my dad was always in my life also. Like, my dad still is, you know, I can still call him anytime I need him. My mom, too. And it's mm-hmm. just like, like, having it all, losing it all, getting it all back, and then losing it all again. It's just like, you kind of learn that survival skill that is just like, you know what? If this shit ain't killed me yet, this shit never will. Right. So it's just like, you know, and learning more about you because like I had no idea who really Miles Carter was you know I, I read on you right you know I I, I've, I've watched your you know speeches I've seen your speeches in person and just kind of like you know I've, I've just been really conscious not to make it about me and, and I think that that's really like you know and that, that you know maybe that's my fault in, in a sense but like honestly at the end of the day like I didn't think that it would really matter that much if we were all on the same page with the things that we were trying to accomplish yeah. you know what I mean and 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 
And but that's like even with like these people that are in the political scene now, like everybody just wants to do one on ones. They want to bring you in, sit down, and talk to you, so they can learn about you, learn who you are, build their arsenal. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's really what it's about. You know, and it's like you know, even even with these uh, with these these ladies that are running around town now with their 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 issue about whether or not you know who Miles is and everything else, like. Um, you know, there's a concern right now that, like, you know, we might be splitting the black vote and, and shooting ourselves in the foot when it comes to electing a sheriff, right? And again, like, I think that that would be like we're we're worried about the wrong thing if that if that's what our concern right. is, and 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 like that that's what bothers me about people um, the most is is that when they try to push their agenda instead mm-hmm. of stand on what's right, right? And and you know, good thing if your agenda aligns to what's right, but if it doesn't. Then you got to change up, or you got to play the sideline on this one, right? Because, uh, uh, like, when it comes to and right now, people are going to ask themselves, like, like who should the next sheriff of Erie County be? And 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 I think that that's a really good question, and I think that we're well deserved and well beyond that point where we should even be asking ourselves that question because we we've been in a position where we've had the worst sheriff in America, right? Because uh, Sheriff Howard is arguably the worst yes. sheriff in America. Right and oh, yeah. uh, he's been almost voted on that right and like seriously <laughs> yeah yeah bro we got a lot of stats in in, in Buffalo so like if we can run through them like uh, uh, the Langfield projects <laughs> Kenfield Kenfield Homes uh, that's the sixth worth worst housing projects in the entire country six worst well, we, with, wow. with crime and poverty. See, see, there's a... Uh, that's right here in Buffalo. I grew up there. Too. Like, oh, oh, and, and, and the funny thing is. This is where I live at. <laughs> we recording this podcast in my kitchen in the Kenfield Projects at this very moment. All right, you know, and and, and you you got to be involved with this one because there's there. Okay, so uh, we're going through a, a transition in Buffalo, and this is important for your 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 oh, yeah. your, your audience because you might even have some audience here in, in the projects too. Uh, but in the housing development, I don't know what to call it. <laughs> What's politically I, I, correct now? I call it. A, <laughs> I still call it the project. I, I say the wrong shit a lot. <laughs> People, people be trying to catch me up sometimes, and you know, because because like you said, there's a uh, where what is it a uh, cancel Miles campaign? Is there? I don't know. Hold on, hold on. You said that. You said it earlier. We'll no, no, on. no. Who's Miles campaign? Who's, who's Miles? And you right. know, they, you know, you, you do got some haters out here that will uh, twist your words up just because it's you, bro. They I can say it. it. I can say the projects, and you say the projects. They gonna be like, well, it's okay for him, but not it's okay for Miles. It's okay. I don't care. But. It, <laughs> And it shouldn't be like, but you know, um, uh, and I love this city. I grew up here, born and raised. I got a tattooed on my stomach. And the thing about this city that I can't stand sometimes is the fact that you know people pick and choose who they want to get behind because you know maybe they know, them, maybe they cool with them, maybe they know family. It's just like instead of doing what's right, like you bro, said, I keep hearing it. I keep hearing. It, I keep hearing. It. I went to go meet with some rich white attorney the other day, right and. Uh, I'm not going to drop names today because, like, we all try to play nice in the sandbox right now. Right. <laughs> that would be, be a different podcast. We're going to call that one Miles Carter. So we're going to leave names out of it. I went to go meet with some Miles Carter and the other day, right? And he's like, he's like I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm going to support my, uh, my neighbor for sheriff. I'm like, okay, why is that? He's like, well, I know him. He's a great guy. Oh. That's all it takes? <laughs> what? That's all it takes. Right, and then again with uh, the, this new woman uh, that, that's running for sheriff, the um, she she's running as the ultra conservative, uh, something case. Uh, her her husband's a judge, right? So I asked him about this one, right? And she's running as an ultra conservative, and this is this is a white liberal attorney that does election law, right? And I'm asking about this woman, right? And he's like, well, her husband's a great guy, so I don't think there's too much wrong with her. 
this, this is what we're dealing with, right? And then, but that, that's not it, you know. It's like you got people that are are, are are bragging about being in these types of people's company, and then they're the ones that are trying to drive the black vote in our community. Yeah, you know what I mean. It, it, it seems like it's a lot of optics and a lot of game playing when it comes to really, you know, what is it that we should be doing? And if if, if you're a cop that's got 28 years of experience in the Buffalo Police Department, my first question is, is what have you done to make a difference there? Because that Buffalo Police Department has been beating, abusing, and demeaning people even up until 2021. Oh yeah. So you tell me what you've done there to make a difference and a meaningful difference in our community, and then you tell me why you should be sheriff. Yeah, like well, my sister. But then you got these people that want to jump behind people like that and support yeah. them. They have great leadership. Where was their leadership when Quentin Suttles was being beaten on the streets? Where was their leadership when, when Dominique Calhoun was being beaten in her own home as a private citizen? Where was their leadership when, 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 when people were dying on the streets in Buffalo? When, 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 Timothy, uh, when, when Timothy Wagner was raping women as a Buffalo police officer? Where was their leadership? And these all happened in the past 28 years. Yeah, my sister last year, about this time last year, she was... Uh assaulted by Buffalo police in McDonald's parking lot. Yeah, right. Carry a horn skate. Right, and, you, and, you, and, you've, got, on and you've got Buffalo police officers that have been deputy commissioners. You've got Buffalo police officers that have been uh, uh, top investigators. You've got Buffalo police officers that have been chiefs and lieutenants or whatever you want to call it. They're saying that they should be the next sheriff of Erie County, but they haven't done a single thing to reform that institution. Not at all. That's the question we should be asking ourselves. And then why are people in the community supporting them and putting them on a pedestal when they haven't made a single change in that organization that's destroying lives today? Yeah. And I own... Um, that's those, because it's games and politics for them. That's why. Yeah, and a, a pretty prominent figure actually gave you an endorsement. I saw you post up. Oh, you talking about Sean King? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see... <laughs> No, because that's that's double sided too. Because you know, I, I say a lot of shit. <laughs> it's like, hey, but you you gonna go through my timeline? You are gonna find some stuff I said too. So it's like it is what it is. But Sean King understands at the end of the day that um, that our campaign and the platform that he went on my website to see is built on doing the right thing. So um, we're gonna put politics aside. We put anything aside and make sure that we have a just and equitable system here in Erie County. And and hopefully we can get more people like that. Um, to, to really step up and stand up that are in positions of leadership and do the right thing because that's really what it's going to take is 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 we're going to we're going to drive it we're going to we're going to run the movement on the ground we're going we're going to make sure that every single person in Erie County knows about the sheriff's campaign we're going to make sure that every person in the country knows about Erie County sheriff's campaign oh yeah uh, 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 Erie County sheriff's election and and I, I think that's what it's going to take to make sure that we can instill and, and ratify a, a, a platform that's going to do the right thing for our people here here home here at home right while people are so stuck on who's going to be the next president we need to figure out who's going to be our next sheriff right because i feel like it's definitely you know change needed in the city and it's been it's been this way for years because even like you got some of these older politicians that's in the community that's i would say a little out of touch a little <laughs> you know, I'm being nice about it. I mean, maybe I'm being a little, a little right. too nice about it, but and we and you know, we know who they are. Right. But it's just a simple fact that we need some new blood. Period. Like even with the you know from mayor to the governor to the president, we need some younger blood in these you know in these offices as, as far as politicians and everything. Because the simple fact is, you have people that are. Pushing eighty years old, that are making decisions for us mm -hmm. and don't know a goddamn thing about us. All right. And I feel like you know, I support you for sheriff at this point. Well, I appreciate that because you know, talking to you and seeing some, listening to your ideas and listening to your story, 
I feel more connected with you. Because, you know, a lot of similarities, you know, we all could relate. Especially being a young black man in this, you know, this fucked up country. Yeah. Yeah, we go through it. <laughs> we go through it. Because like, from the time that, that we're put into the school, from the time that we're at the doctor's office, you know what I mean? We're not treated the same. To the time that we go into the school system, we're not treated mm-hmm. the same. To the time we go into a job force, we're not treated the same. To our time that we're interacting with police officers, we're not treated <clears throat> the same, right? And it's like, <clears throat> and it's important for us to recognize this because it's like, you know, police brutality is a fact, oh, yeah. right? Police brutality is a fact. And not only is it a fact, it happens disproportionately to black and brown people as, as pointed out by the American Medical Association. Right. And, and mass incarceration is, is not a thought. It's a fact. And it's a fact because the United Nations produced a study on it. Right. And they named this the decade for people of, of, of uh, the international decade for people of African descent, where they specifically cited uh, uh, the United States as, 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 as an inhibitor of, of mass incarceration. And it's like, you know, the, and, and the United States is a member, uh, the founding member of the United Nations. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like the, the, we're not we're not talking about uh, uh, ideals and thoughts and and, 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 and and hypothesis, right? We're talking about actual facts that exist here. So it's like with these well known facts, now now as a as a community, as a society, we gotta start making some actual strides and, and making a difference and making a change. And we're not talking about baby steps, we're talking about drastic changes so right. we can right size this immediately. Um, and we got to do it for fiscal reasons, right? But the mm-hmm. most important reason that we have to do it is for social reasons, right? Because the fiscal reason is, is clear. Like, the United States spends $36,000 a year on average for federal incarceration, and Erie County spends $160,000 to $200,000 a year on average. Why are we wow. spending almost, More. like, eight times the amount? You know what I mean? It's like quadruple. <laughs> oh, like, and it's like, you know, and then even our numbers, like, you know, in, in New York State, New York State, like, everybody looks at New York State as being this liberal, like, palace. And it's like, in some regards, like, we've got family medical leave, like, we've got pretty easy access to health insurance here, like, we've got easy yeah. access to food stamps and stuff like that here in New York State. Uh, but New York State is spending, I think, I think the number is $18.6 billion a year on incarceration. $18.6 wow. billion a year. The county budget for Erie County is $1.4 billion. Wow. So they're spending 18 times our county budget for incarceration. So there could be 18 more Erie counties with the amount of money that's being spent on incarceration in New York State. And Erie County is the second large, or the Buffalo is the second largest city in, in, in right. So like, you know, we're talking about like a, a place of a million people. Like $18.6 billion a year is what's being spent on, that's, that's more than some small country's GDP. Right, you could probably fit the entire GDP of Alabama inside of our incarceration budget in New York State. Wow, <laughs> that's a damn shame. <laughs> that's what we're dealing with here. These though. numbers are astonishing, to say the least. But Jesus Christ, like, All right, and we're we're sitting here arguing of whether or not they're going to erase fifty thousand dollars of student loan debt. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Well, you got you mad mad that when immigrants come here, they get a seven-year tax haven. Like, on these numbers, we should all have a fucking tax haven. (laughs) Not not just the immigrants, but every single American. We should just stop funding incarceration at these large numbers and start funding social programs that benefit our society. Hell, at this point, they could pay reparations with that shit. Bro, they're (laughs) counter-reparations with the shit. They're counter-reparations. That's why reparations go into the fucking prison. That's exactly it. They're using it for, for a jobs program. It's a jobs program. Wow. And, and it's crazy because, like, like my, dad's, my, my dad, he works in the Department of Corrections. And, you know. On the county or state level? State. Okay. He, uh, he's over at Lakeview. But, um, so he might still vote for me then. My dad. <laughs> Does my he go dad, to Erie County or no? Oh, yeah. Okay. 
My dad, I, I think he will. Okay. He's a good dude. You know what? And what's crazy about my dad is I've known a few people that were locked up that actually experienced, you know, being in my dad's, like, you know, uh, you know, the pod that he worked in or whatever. Right. And it made me a proud son to hear everybody that, you know, came into contact with my dad that said, yo, your dad is a good dude. Like, he yeah. was... He was like, you know, you fucked up if you pissed, you know, if you pissed your dad off. Right. And, you know, I appreciated it that, that like, so much because somebody that um, was locked up 20 years ago, you know, seeing that I posted a picture of my dad and he was like, I was locked up. Like, that's your dad? Right. And it amazed me because he hadn't seen my dad in the 20 years since he's been locked up. 20, is he getting ready to retire? Yeah, my dad, my dad. He's retiring probably at the end of the year. Okay, yeah. I don't know. He he, he been saying that. Them state pen, like or them state pens. Yeah. You know <laughs> but he, he been doing it for yeah. over. He been doing it for over thirty yeah. years. I mean, there's some more fun facts. Our uh, <laughs> just to run in some facts real quick. Our deputies in the in Erie County Corrections, uh, they start off about seventy thousand dollars a year. Um, yeah. Just what the starting salary is. Um, most of them make between one hundred to one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year. That's what their overtime. <laughs> there's seven hundred and eighty corrections officers that are policing five hundred inmates on average. <clears throat> you know. Um, so you, know, you just disproportionate amount, a, num- a disproportionate number of corrections officers to police uh, uh, yeah. uh, inmates uh, is it, ridiculous. Uh, in in the past year, um, you've had five corrections officers that are being investigated for uh, rape and sexual misconduct. You have another handful of, re- of corrections officers that have actually gone to jail for rape and sexual misconduct. Wow. And, I, and I know this because my my cousin's husband is one of them. He went to jail for rape and sexual misconduct. Of 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 uh, as a corrections officer, right? So it's like this. this I'm very I'm very much Buffalo in Erie County because this shit hits really close to home. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like these things are happening, and, and it's like uh, like uh, we, we we have an insidious culture that exists, um, and people like to, to blame Sheriff Howard for for the culture that exists. And yes, he's wholly responsible because he's the leader. Um, but anyone that comes in and, and is going to say that they're going to be the next sheriff of Erie County, if they don't if they don't condemn the actions that are going there currently by mm-hmm. those by those deputies and such that are employed there, if they don't come in there with a plan to clean that up and then to fix the culture that exists and think that just a new a new face on that is going to change everything, they've got a lot mistake a lot a lot mistaken. They're they're very mistaken because it's the, there there is an insidious disgusting culture that exists. Somebody really needs to come in there and clean house. Um, you know, and and that's one of the things that I that I will I will put I will stand on a platform and say we're going to have a fully <clears throat> independent uh, 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 investigation conducted into the death of India Cummings. Every single person that's found in that in that in that study to be or in that investigation to be guilty is going to lose their job. Oh yeah. We're we're not playing those games, and we're going to right size the number of corrections officers. We don't need 780 corrections officers. Yes, we're going to start closing down, and we're going to right size, and we're going to ensure that we're employing. <clears throat> the proper people at those salaries, right? Because a drug counselor probably makes about $30,000 a year, right? So I could probably hire two drug counselors instead of one corrections officer at, at that salary, or I could just pay the drug counselor $70,000 a year and hire them as a deputy, right? <clears throat> a social worker comes out of school making $35,000, $40,000 a year. Why can't I be hiring social workers at $70,000 a year making them deputies to make sure that they have the uh, the resources necessary, right? Um, you, you, you have uh, mental health counselors. Mental health counselors probably come out of school making fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year, right? If our corrections officers are making seventy thousand dollars a year, <clears throat> why why can't we be spending that money in better places, right? right. And, and and on a proper education and the proper people to be in there with the proper drug treatment, with the proper uh, uh, de-escalation tactics, with the proper mental health treatment, with the proper uh, uh, social work skills to have them connect to the proper programs when they're coming out of jail, right? All of these things um, to mention their main to make sure they're maintaining their family ties and connections so they're not in a desperate state when they come out. Like all of those things are so important 
to, to, to making sure that those are available for our, and even, um, our, our, our people that are incarcerated. And even upgrading, like, you know, renovating the holding center itself because Bro. that yes. thing looks like shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> I've been in there a couple of times on the wrong side of things. Same but, here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like... And, I heard, and then I always hear the story about the big rat that's running around that place. Uh-uh. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, you, you, you go there and you see exactly how it looks. And then you, you mention the budget. And it's just like, why the hell hasn't this place been? Where's the money? Yeah, it's just like, yeah. it's going where? Quiet down in there. But yeah. that being said, we're going to take a quick break. And we're going to bring it right back. For now, the nerd boy, Miles Carter, Bruce Leroy. Be out, but we're gonna uh, we'll be right back. All right, we back. Nerd boy D, Bruce Leroy, Miles Carter. So, yeah, we were uh, we were having a hell of a discussion today, and uh, Miles Carter for sheriff. But we we gonna we gonna talk a little bit more about it before Miles, you know, he has to take off soon. But, um, yeah, man, like you know, as far as we done found out who Miles Carter is. Now, if elected, you know, what are your plans? I got a lot of plans, a lot of plans, a lot of plans. Um, but I like to start with my day ones uh, because it's easy to remember. Carryall halts marijuana is is my is my easy way to remember it. Uh, day one, Carryall's law is going to be implemented throughout the sheriff's department, and that's for uh, that's for your sheriff's patrol and also for your corrections officers, right? So they're going to be required to, to do the right thing all the time, and 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 they're going to be held responsible if they don't do the right thing, right? And, and if a police officer is is found guilty of, of of abuse, neglect, uh, maltreatment, anything along those lines. Not only will they lose their job, but we're going to maintain a registry, so they're, we're ensuring they're not going to be hired in the same position in the future, right? So Cario's law is going to be implemented throughout the uh, sheriff's department. We're going to halt uh, uh, solitary confinement as a practice throughout the jails. Um, solitary confinement is linked to causing mental health, and if you have mental health already, it exasperates it. It it, um, it separates you from your family to an even more so an extent. Um, it has uh, uh, harsh uh, effects on your, your your physical, your mental, your spiritual, all the way around. And it's literally, it's a violation of your Eighth Amendment, right? So uh, the Eighth Amendment protects you from cruel and unusual punishment. Solitary confinement is categorized as cruel. However, it's not unusual because it happens so much in America yeah. um, that it's it's never been found to be a violation. So you know wow. we'll do the right thing in the sheriff's department. There will be no no there will no longer be solitary confinement in the sheriff's in, in the Erie County jails, right? So Cario's law, we're going to halt uh, 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 solitary confinement, and marijuana is going to be entirely decriminalized. Um, no longer uh, you we're not going to arrest, we're not going to ticket, we're not going to search, and we're not going to seize. So even if you have your, your marijuana on you and, and you're, you're, you're stopped by the police officers and you do get searched for some other reason and they pull your marijuana off your pot, your persons, they're going to hand it back to you, right? And they're not going to put it in their pocket and go home and smoke it themselves, right? <laughs> Things are going to be done differently. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's marijuana is not a drug. And that, that's what we have to understand as a society and as a community. It's been it's been criminalized into a drug. And in, in a large part, that is to attack black and brown people. Of course. Right. Um, and, and then even away with, with the way that it's being legalized and decriminalized is like, um, it, you know, it should be treated just like so many other crops. And it, it, it shouldn't be to the point where you have to pay $50,000, $10,000, $20,000 to get a license to grow marijuana. You shouldn't have to have a special medical license to be able to consume marijuana, right? right? Especially when it's being consumed in such large numbers globally, 
right? Like it's 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 it's, it's, it's ridiculous at this point, and it would no longer be a focus at all of the sheriff's department treated just like anything else, and it'll be returned to you even if it is searched and found on your persons. Um, we're not putting limits on the amount that you can have. We're not doing any of that. We're not going to come to your house and see, oh, you've got five plants. You're going to jail for a federal crime or anything along those lines. You have 20 plants. I don't care. Marijuana is not a problem for the sheriff's department, right? So Cariel's law, we're going to halt uh, all solitary confinement, and marijuana is non-existent as an issue for the sheriff's department. Sounds like a good deal. Yeah. Because I, I definitely do understand, like, how, you know, marijuana definitely has been one of those things where it's just like, damn, you got this amount of time for I can, I can run you through my own personal experience with that like you know my brother when I was my brother came to live with me when I was living in the suburbs in Amherst right and I was going to Amherst High School and, and he smoked weed at that time and uh, and they brought drug they, they in Amherst they bring drug dogs through to sniff the school every once in a while right and and they did that and my brother had a dime of weed in his locker and uh, and he was expelled from school. He was expelled, expelled from school. He wasn't suspended. My brother was expelled from school. He was made to go to an alternative school, and he had to go to drug court because he had a dime of weed in his locker. Right? He dropped out of school at that point, ran away, moved to Florida, lived a whole new life, got addicted to drugs, and ended up dying from a drug overdose. Wow. Know all that from a dime? From a dime of weed. Right, so not only do have we criminalized weed, we criminalize everyone that comes in touch with it, and every black and brown person that comes in touch with it, right? And it's the same thing. Like that, this is the this is the issue with like stop and frisk, right? Stop and frisk is, is was was used to to target black and brown uh, people during the crack epidemic or the the crack epidemic, and it's like you know had they employed those same tactics on Wall Street, they would have discovered probably more people with cocaine on them than they did in the in the in the, in the city of, of in you know in the inner boroughs of Brooklyn and the Bronx and stuff like that. Right. You know what I mean? Because it's like, you know, these things, it's like, it's ridiculous. Like, I went to Amherst. I have never touched cocaine a day in my life. You know how many times it was offered to me at that predominantly Caucasian school? Oh. I cannot count. <laughs> wow. I cannot count. A black person has never offered me cocaine a day in my life. Like Rick James said, cocaine's a hell of a drug. Shit, I've been thinking about never that. a day in my <laughs> life. A black person ever offered me it either. <laughs> I've, I have never been offered cocaine by a black person a day in my life. I've been offered cocaine by multiple Caucasian people. Wow. And that's... But who are they using to criminalize it? Us. We've, we've got a lot of issues we got to work on. And they, they think it's not systemic or they want to argue that it's not systemic. we got the proof, bro. And, like, my life is proof. Really? You know? Like, every every single one of our lives is proof. Like, they, they literally target us specifically with these things to try to put us in jail. Because they're getting paid from it. $100 million a year. And one more time. What was that? What was that county budget... The county budget is ninety-eight million dollars a year spent on incarceration in Erie County. So it's 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 eighty eighty-six million dollars is spent on the jail management budget, and then the other twelve million is spent on the jail medical budget. So <laughs> the it's, jail look like shit, <laughs> bro. And and the medical treatment is shit too, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so it's like you're you're talking it's ninety-eight million dollars a year is being spent on incarceration here, and so, then then that's and then you got eighteen point six billion on the state level. Wow, eighteen point six billion. Heard at eighteen point six billion. Yeah. Like, and we could we could really put that money in different places, and you know, Miles is like really trying to, you know, get that out there, which I I respect that because we do have too many people that that's been dying in the Helden Center, you know, drug issues not being addressed, mental health issues definitely not being addressed, because it's like okay, they you go in there, or are you feeling suicidal? No. Okay. 
Right. Write you off. And it's just like... Or if, they, or if you say, yeah, my brother was one of the people that said he was suicidal 10 years ago. Sorry, my, my other brother that's been in jail, right? Because he mm -hmm. went to the holding center before. He told him he was suicidal 10 years ago. And uh, they took him on the elevator. This is before they put the cameras in there. to beat his, They beat his ass while they were riding the elevator up and down for th three times. They took him down, up, down, up, down, up three times while they were beating his ass in the elevator. So what the hell? They thought they were going to beat the suicide out of him? No, but that that was their standard practice. There's so many cases of that. That's why they uh, that's why they had to put an elevator. They had to put a camera in that elevator for that reason. Mm. My brother's one of those people that that suffered from that. And then, yeah, that, that's well known. Like it was, uh, I think it was a uh, 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 investigative posted a whole story on it. And then he just beating the shit out of him and fucking him up worse. Yeah, just demoralizing. Like that's what it is. The, it, it, it's built on breaking people, because the only way that they keep their jobs is that they keep their customers. Wow. So this is pretty much a setup for the opening. Right. So like our, our our see to me like the, the the criminal justice budget is one of those things. It's like how can we how can we run this down as low as we can? How can we how can we shrink that budget? Right. Right. And and the only way you can shrink it is by solving crime. Right. Like that that's the way to shrink it. And but you solve crime by addressing the issues of need and yeah. poverty. Right. So it's like you know we, we it's just archaic. Like we're stuck in this old way of doing things. And 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 quite frankly, every other police officer that's a sheriff that's running for sheriff right now just represents that same system. And I don't I haven't seen a single one that stands for change. Right. Considering all the duties that a sheriff could change, like that, that's just crazy to me. I just learned a lot. Like I don't understand what's stopping them from doing that now. Like that's what's super crazy to me. Yeah. Like. There's always a yin, a yin and a yang. It's like, who do you think would be going up against you to stop you from implementing your ideas for going through? Like, because the way the way you say it, you know, it sounds like it's easy to do, but I'm pretty sure you're gonna get some some someone out there who's gonna be like, no, you can't do this. I don't know who that is though. Like, no, I, I did the research, bro. As like right. as an elected sheriff, you're an executive, right? So you've okay. got like the the sheriff's department is just as if you're president. Right. And, okay. and, and you can sign executive orders on day one and you can go in there and make changes on day one. Right. Okay. And, and that, that's exactly how it is. The, the sheriff will sign his policy the same way the, that, that, that Joe Biden signed his policies on day one. And, and that's, that's exactly how I would operate as a sheriff is I would come in there prepared and ready with all the policies that represent the change that we need in our community. Right. That we can implement immediately on day one. We'd have them lined up and we'd start signing right away. And then. After that, we'd start working on the legislative changes, and I'd work with Dominique Calhoun and all these other friendlies that we're working to get into the Ear County Legislature and throughout our city to make sure that those 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 policies represent the change that we need, and that you're not relying on a good sheriff to do the right thing. It's built into the fucking law. Right, because like I always, uh, I was always taught, <laughs> surround. You ain't gotta get along with everybody that's around you, but as long as y'all got a way to get to y'all ultimate goal together. All right. That's, yeah. that's like I, like I did the research too, bro. It's like, it's like, you got like, uh, when it comes to jail management, like oversight, like it's like 28 pages, maybe 36 pages, a few short paragraphs with respect to like medical, uh, supervision and, uh, the size of like cells and stuff. Very loose. And every time where you have laws that are loose, that leaves it open for a lot of interpretation of how you can operate. And that, that means right. the law's on our side when it comes to the changes that we can make and, and, and make on day one. And the, and the authority the sheriff has to do it. Because when it comes to why is the sheriff allowed to do all of this, you ask, you ask the Erie County legislator, they tell you he's got too much power. Okay, I think that that's the position we need. So if elected, if we have, because uh, I know we have uh, India Watson. Yeah, India Walton's running for mayor. There, there's, there's actually three people I know that are running for where. There, there's India Walton, there's Scott Wilson, there's LaCandice Durham are the three people I know that are running for mayor. 
uh, the only that I know, I know India and I know Scott. Um, I've never personally met LaCandis. Um, you know, uh, I also don't live in the city of Buffalo, so this is not a race that I can vote in. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm kind of interested to see how it's going to play out because it's, uh, like it definitely needs somebody different from Byron Brown. Definitely yeah. needs somebody from Byron Brown. So and, that's why I asked the question, like, cause uh, of course, cause you, you don't live in the city. Right. But you know, if elected sheriff, <laughs> Could you, and if, say, if one of the three are, like, elected mayor, mm-hmm. can you see yourself working with them to try to change some things on the Buffalo Police Department also? I, I would hope so. I mean, like like I said, I, I know Scott and I know India personally, so, like, mm-hmm. I think that they would be in line with the types of changes and such that, that, that is needed within the Buffalo Police Department. And it's like, yo, the, uh, like, all, in all honesty, if, if we could just get a good police commissioner out of them, that's really all we need because the oh, yeah. police commissioner has an immense amount of power that people don't know about or that they try to tell you he doesn't have because I've done the research and I've talked to the people that know about it. Yeah. Like, Byron Lockwood could fire a police officer. Mm-hmm. Byron Lockwood can fire police officers. They tell you that he can't because they have a union. That right. is not true. There is legal statute that says he can do it because it happened twice in New York State when a municipality fired a police officer and they were sued by their police police benevolence association and went to Supreme Court in both instances. And once, uh, once it was settled outside of court, the other one was settled outside of court as well. But they came back and they asked the judge for a ruling. So in case it happened again, the judge said that in a case where the uh, the the police have a have a contract. Um, but the the, uh, the the city has a charter. He said the city charter supersedes the police contract. Our city charter gives the uh, the police commissioner explicit authority to reprimand police officers. So not only can he fire them, he can punish them. Wow. Right? And, and, and his authority supersedes any union contract that John Evans will sign. I promise you that by legal statute. But they lie to you and tell you that he can't. And I provided to every single one of our common council members. I provided to our mayor. And nobody's brought it up since. Mm, go figure. Crazy thing about it, I'm not even surprised. <laughs> like, can you say anything surprised you? Right, and I'm going to give my, like, Dejan Hall is the one that gave me that information. I don't want to make anybody feel like they're not getting the credit where it's deserved because Dejan Hall is the one that pointed that out to me. Because my question is, why can't we fire a police officer? Dejan Hall said, yes, you can. So it's like, Dejan you know. Hall, you, you the goat for that. That's always going to appreciate it. Man, it's been very informational podcast here. Asked Mal Cotter who he was. He told gave me that plus more. So anybody, I'm gonna tell you a joke real quick. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was, you know, I got, uh, I was tackled by the police, right? And, oh, and yeah. that night, I was out protesting on Bailey in front of the police station, and uh, you know me, like I run my mouth, and like they, they got, got me, they got me arrested, they got me, they had me handcuffed to a fucking desk inside the police station, right? And I'm just running my mouth, running my mouth, running my mouth. And then uh, the lieutenant, some, I don't even know who he was. He's one I've never met before. He comes, he's like, you don't never shut the fuck up, do you? <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I told him, you, you don't even know me yet. <laughs> Crazy thing is, Miles, is, he talks. Uh, hey, he's he's using this podcast. gift to... It's the only podcast where he answered every question I didn't ask. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I had a list of questions I wanted to, I had bullet points and everything, and it was just like, okay, just cross it off. It was a natural conversation, though. Yeah. It's going to come out. And the thing about it is just like, so many people have been like, crusading against Miles, and it's just like, right here on this podcast, he explained exactly who he is, his story, and it's just like, you know, if if you can't see yourself voting for this person... 
voting for this man right here, I don't know, I don't know what type of person y'all are. Because, you know, real to the point, you know, he's expressed everything he wants to do, all the changes he wants to make. And I could get behind that. Word. Let's say, you know, you don't have to always agree with somebody, but as long as they got the best interests at heart, then, hey, why not rock with him? Because he's been through it. You know, you got people that's running that. What the hell have they been through for real, for real? Right. We need someone in there to try to make it right, not not just be right himself. And that represents right. yes. And that represents us more than just the skin color. Correct. More than just the, the title of being a black man, but somebody that's actually been through the system, that's learned the system, and that wants to change the system that's, you know, like I say, that was made for us to fail. You know, it's, it's all, like, systematic. We just... Just gotta, you know, put the right people, put the right pieces in the places, and uh, sure. rock we'll out. Make it happen. I mean, like, and and, and that's the, just remember, you know, we're gonna implement Carroll's law. We're going to halt solitary confinement as a practice, and we're going to completely uh, decriminalize, deprioritize, ignore marijuana as any type of offense through the sheriff's department. Yeah, and uh, you know, some other things that we didn't talk about. You know, you uh, you have something to do with a domestic violence shelter. Oh man, <laughs> we might have to come back for this. <laughs> you might get a whole other hour out story of it. For another nah, day. nah. I mean, so like, yeah, I mean, we can run through it real quick um, yeah. because there are some things that that you know we've been working on in the community and some things that we have coming up in the community too. Because like my work hasn't stopped. Um, that that I've partnered with you know quite a few people with, but uh, uh, I. Like, for one, I've always been, like, involved with, like, volunteering and stuff like that. So I've done, like, Habitat for Humanity. I've done, like, food drives, like, you know, like, cancer walks and stuff like that. But um, when I became Muslim, I started really getting involved in, like, community service and actually giving back to the community. Because that's a huge, like, tenant of Islam is, is, is providing, uh, you know, for people that can't otherwise provide for themselves or people that are in need or, 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 or people that are... Um, uh, uh, what do you call, uh, I don't even, I can't even think of the word right now, but uh, treated unjustly or unfairly, um, uh, which, you know, black and brown people fall into in America specifically, right? So like um, in, in 2000 and uh, I think it was 2004, I became Muslim. In 2015, 16, I became the president of my kid's school board, um, which is uh, a local Islamic school, um, you know, and, and like the school board itself, um, you know, there was a lot that was going on with that school. You just answered another question that uh, right. I was going to ask. <laughs> right. Well, the domestic violence shelter comes after that one, right? So yeah. like, I got just tried to go on progression. So it's like the uh, the the school board is like, um, you know, when we became president of the school board, it was not that school was failing. There was just a lot going on. Like we were losing money on, on a regular basis. Enrollment was uh, unsteady. Sometimes it would go up. Sometimes it would go down. Our teachers didn't have a, a solid pay schedule, and we were up for uh, our accreditation process. So. Um, immediately, I had to like jump in and get to work. So we got the we got the school accredited, um, uh, uh, reaccredited. So we we extended the school's accreditation, um, which is a very rigorous process. And through that process, we put in a a five year <clears throat> a five year plan for our, our teachers to get a pay increase by five percent year over year. Um, we increased enrollment uh, by ten percent year over year, ten to fifteen percent year over year for the, the the four years that I was serving on the school board, um, and it's continually going up. We we established a high school. So when I started, it was pre K to eighth grade. Um, you know, before I left, where uh, we had ninth and tenth grade, opened up the eleventh grade in the process of getting twelfth grade with a new building um, that that's being renovated and currently going through fundraising for that. Nice. Um, like there's so much that we did with that school board, and like that that was that was one of the like, you know that to me I don't even call it my accomplishment because there were so many people involved with that, but that's like you know one of our team building, one of our our, our efforts that we did together. 
Um, you know, we, we, we built a playground um, that, that's attached to the school um, that, that serves the east side of Buffalo. I don't know if you ride through and you see these charter schools with their playgrounds and stuff like that. Yeah. They've always got a 10 foot fence around it and you can never access it. You know yeah. what I mean? My they're close to a charter school. They do have that also. Yeah, you, you can't access their playgrounds unless you're in the school, right? Yeah, so we, right. we, our private school, we built a playground. We fundraised it for, for from outside the community and we and it's open to the community, yeah. right? And, and, and we spent $150,000 on that playground and we just built a $60,000 extension on it. So, nice. and then that's, that's right on the east side of Buffalo, uh, right on Genesee Street. And again, that's another thing that's, that's open to the community. Um, a domestic violence shelter. Um, there's some great women in the community that I've been connected with for a while. <clears throat> um, some of them are social workers. So I do work with social workers already. Okay. Um, you know, uh, and, and they had an idea that there was, there was not enough uh, domestic violence shelter servicing in the women uh, because domestic violence is a huge problem yeah. uh, globally, right? But it's a huge problem here at home and there's not enough domestic violence shelter servicing women. This is an issue that my mom went through. Mm-hmm. So it's an issue that's close to home to me. Like we spent time with domestic sh- violence shelters when I was a kid. Right. So um, uh, like without question, that's something I immediately jumped on. Um, we, we opened up a domestic violence shelter that's got four apartments in it. It can service women has an office there it's got a full-time employee um, and they connect women to services to ensure that they're able to get out from the abusive situations that they're in and that's work that's already and currently being done in the city of buffalo and that's an undisclosed location because it's it's, it's private but the police know where it is because we work with the police to make sure that it was a protected and safe location in the city of buffalo so it's like you know we, we have that networking i've got videos for days of me showing me like the work that we've done with the police officers to help make sure that they can have a better community to work in but we didn't even talk about that but uh and then uh, there's like uh uh there, there was something else that I was going to say as well. Um, oh, our, our future project. Like, you know, right now we're, we're working on, uh, 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 and, well, I'm not even going to bring that up because that one will be, that was a spoiler. So we'll just leave that alone. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Talk yeah. about it offline. Right. But, you know, I know you said you, you got to get yeah, your kids today. Yeah, I got to get my kids. But, it's you like, know, yeah, we going on. Um, but, yeah, we, we definitely going to have to have Miles back one day because, uh, you know, go more to the domestic violence shelter and, you know, and the other thing that you know he has going on because as you said you're very active and as your kids in the background right. <laughs> now they graduated or they're they're getting promoted in taekwondo today so i thought they were getting their green belt so they're their yellow green stripe right now so they're a yellow belt with a green stripe they're supposed to be getting green belt but uh they got tested for green and blue yesterday so they're actually being promoted all the way to blue belt uh today oh, nice. so yeah they're getting their promotion to blue belt Okay, so we yeah. gonna we gonna end this on a high note, you know. Good luck with the kids with Taekwondo. For you sure. know, it's definitely good to see you know a young young black man like yourself, you know, running for the public office, but also you know seeing that you are, you're still a family man first, because <laughs> like I said, he got all five of his kids with him right now, and <laughs> always <laughs> they having fun, and you know. I can say for five kids right now, they they actually are quiet, right? they are pretty quiet. Which <laughs> I got I got three myself, and you know I got three myself too. Yeah. <laughs> What's yeah. the uh, the date of vote? Uh, so if you're registered for anything outside of uh, the Democratic Party, in order to, to vote in the Democratic primary, you have to register for the Democratic Party by February 14th. Okay. If you're not registered, you have all the way until May 26th, I think it is, to register. Uh, and then uh, the primary is June 22nd. So I am running in the Democratic primary. Um, however, that's not going to decide the election. Erie County is a very split. Uh, it's about 50-50 in Erie County. So it's going to be a very difficult primary to battle through. And it's going to be a very difficult general election to battle through as well. So uh, the general election is going to be November 3rd. November 3rd. You heard it here on Nerd Boys Podcast. But it's your boy Nerd Boy D, along with Bruce Leroy. Yep. Mr. Miles Carter. Appreciate it. Erie County Sheriff Hopeful. So let's... Uh, <laughs> Get on and vote. Get registered. Vote, and you know we're gonna 
we're going to bring him back, and hopefully next time we bring him back, he can either win a primary or he can be our newly elected mayor. Sheriff. No, sheriff, sheriff, sheriff. 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 Like I said, I'm thinking, I'm thinking too far ahead. Sheriff first, then president. Right? <laughs> Progression. I'm thinking, I'm thinking too far ahead because the mayoral election is this uh, this year also. So right. every county sheriff. But we're going to get up out of here. Miles, it's been a pleasure. For sure. And, you know, we definitely got to chop it up more and bring you back. But with that being said, oh, first thing, pardon words, anybody? That's it. Man, we started this shit off a mile saying, I ain't gonna talk to myself. See how that went. (laughs) (laughs) But it's been fun, man. I enjoyed it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's been fun, though, but we're gonna end this now. But peace and love to everybody. And uh, y'all be safe out here. COVID is still out here, but uh, y'all keep it it safe. And with that being said, Nerd Boy. (laughs) Nerd Boy. Hold on, do me a favor. Say Nerd Boy out. No, we're out. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Where you looking for? Living nerd. nerd.